Hello and welcome to the Ex Animo Wine Co. podcast. My name is David Clark. Today on the podcast we have Jocelyn Wilson from Hogan Wines. Uh, recently recorded her at a pre-release lunch for her 2021 vintages. We're just featuring the Cabernet Franc and the Divergent Red Blend today. Uh, so we recorded her as she spoke uh, in a room at a lunch. So there is some service noise going on, some clinking of uh, plates and cutlery and things like that. So please excuse us. Uh, she does talk about the the 2019s as well, but really, probably more importantly, uh, about the 2021s, the new wines, and the stories behind the wines. I've tried to make it as seamless as possible, but there are still some rough seams in there. But it really is just a quick insight into the wines of Jocelyn, and I hope you enjoy. Cab Frank's called Mirror for the Sun. So it's in reference to music that we play in the cellar. It's uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The, the bunches of Cab Frank are a bit like Mirrors for the Sun in terms of our canopy management. It is one of the most intensive uh, canopy managements of, of all the varieties I, I find to get enough sunlight exposure to prevent any hard green flavors. So that was sort of the thinking with the names and to bring in some fun stories into the two wines. Initially, I experimented from two different sites in 2018. Uh, one from the lower foothills of the Helderberg, which is what's ended up in the, in the glass here, and a site just above Tybosh on very, very red, rich iron soils. Um, so the, the Tybosh site made a far more Sintomion um, style of, of Cab Frank, very structured and intense, whereas this um, lower uh, site uh, in fir grove um, on granite was a lot more expressive, perfumey, uh, more Loire-inspired. And I far preferred uh, just a personal preference in terms of Cab Frank. And I know Lucas had started with his Breton. I absolutely adored what he was doing with that. So I drew a bit of inspiration from what he was doing and chatting to Lucas. And there seemed to be a bit of a growing category in South Africa and a bit of a, a hype around it to try and find sites that could create these styles of wine. So I've sort of stuck to my guns and, and sticking with the Loire inspired. Um, so this is a 12 year old vineyard, it's, it's trellised. And about two kilometers from the ocean is the crow flies. So we pick between middle of February to late February. It'll be about 25 degrees in this vineyard as opposed to 35 in town Stellenbosch around that time. So that's a huge moderating factor with preserving freshness and bright purity of fruit. I also like to call it a bit of a ballerina style of Cab Franc. It's quite pronounced on the lows, very elegant, subtle, two very, very different styles that from the different vintages. 2019 was a record low, um, record low crop uh, for South Africa. Um, but it did produce quite elegant wines and the acidities were surprisingly quite good in 19 in spite of it being you know, just coming out of the drought, probably the last drought year I would say in my mind was 2019. 2021, as, as I mentioned earlier, a phenomenal growing season with it being a dry and cool. So very, very chuffed with what's come out of, as I mentioned, the vibrancy and energy of the, um, of the 2021. 2019 is just a little bit more subtle and softer and uh, showing, showing a bit of its uh, tertiary characteristic where I'm getting a little bit more of a caramelization, a bit of potpourri coming through on the 2019, whereas the, like, the graphite and the, the vibrant sort of herbs. I get amazing like a bouquet garni on, on this wine when it's in its youth. Um, not pushing towards like, any form of heavy greenness or pyrazine. It's more like a, a, a rosemary, thyme, oregano uh, effect that I get on the nose. It's of the, of the 2021 when this wine's in its youth. So in comparison to the 2019 where I get more sweet fruit, the tannins are soft and integrated with a lovely, lovely intense uh, fruit core I find. But those pencil shavings are Undoubtedly, that, that characteristic Cab Franc component that comes through like a subtlety of, of pencil shavings. 
beautiful soft powdery tannins that's sort of also what i'm chasing here so in the setter very softly handled two punch downs a day which i do myself initially i experimented with some uh, pump overs on my reds and i just didn't like the style of wine it was making it just it wasn't me in terms of what i was wanted to put in a bottle just too much extraction yeah just the, the tannin structure just changes completely when you are you're pumping or working it hard yeah. So, and the fact that it's only in barrel for 11 months, we're focusing on purity of fruit. It's not about heavy tannins um, or anything of it. Say, sorry? More about elegance rather than talent. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do bleed a bit on my reds. It's a, a philosophy I've always believed in, uh, just from harvests I've done around the world. You can get extra concentration by bleeding up to max 5%. So it's a process that sometimes does happen. It's expensive to do it, but you can get a heightened quality um, by bleeding. Initially, if I'm taking on a new block, I won't bleed at all, you know, just to feel what it gives, because it might have enough uh, power in what, what's there alone. Mm -hmm. But it's a, it's a very useful tool. So just going back to the vineyard, 2018 was two vineyards? 20, yes, and I, I sold off in bulk the, um, the tie wash um, site. that never went into the wine? Yeah, okay. just trying to decide uh, uh, what was going to happen, yeah. And, and, and then 2019 onwards? I've stuck with this particular vineyard, yeah. Is, is Firgrove. Rustenhof, I don't know if you know the Rustenhof farm, end of winery road basically. Right. Just before the T-junction there you take a left. So I also get um, Cabernet Sauvignon from this Iandrach farm as well. Right. So, so I share this block with Christou yeah. um, as well as Dale. They take it for their rosé. Also lovely like a, a capsicum component, like a roasted red pepper um, I get on the nose, like a powdery capsicum. So I adore this with um, lamb particularly because of that lovely soft uh, soft herbs that you find on the nose and the fact that it's so pronounced. It's almost like you don't even need to marinate your lamb when you, when you have this wine. What I enjoy in the East, um, in Japan, I would never have thought of pairing this with something like swordfish. They, they have it as a, a tartare or they put it on the barbecue. That smokiness, you get the caramelized character on the, of the fish on the barbecue and then they chill this down uh, quite a bit to about 14 degrees, 12 degrees, and they have that with a barbecued swordfish in Japan. It just like it was insane to try something like a, a gamey fish. Springback, lamb, oh, just beautiful. Um, definitely Aini, it's, it's, it's a good way to put it, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Carpaccios, also beautiful with tuna, a lovely piece of tuna seared. I mean, strange, also like um, porcini dishes. I've tried this with porcini as well, also works nicely. Cool, guys, any other questions on these two? Um, so we can move on to divergent. So a lot of you know the story behind Divergent, but just a, a quick brief recap. It was intended to be a, a cab Cinzo, inspired by the wines from the 60s and the 70s in South Africa. I really adored those cabs. And I obviously produced this um, shin in the 2014 and was ready for 2015 with the cab and the, and the Cinzo. And Serge Hosha from Chateau Mazar in Lebanon came out and gave a tasting at the Swatland Revolution and was my inspiration for creating this blend. So we, after meeting him and being exposed to his philosophies and ideals in winemaking and his stories, I was so inspired by what he was creating and what he was doing and what he's achieved in the industry that I went to go find Carignan after attending that tasting. So this is a, a site in Wellington, an old family friend who had been farming uh, for many years and a huge advocate of Carignan. They were using it for rosé purposes, making a really good rosé. And he called me every year while I was at Flagstone and at Labrie. Please, just take a ton and just see how it goes. And I, I just, my hands were tied, you know, I, I, I couldn't. Bruce wasn't too keen on the idea then and um, neither, Labrie was a state, um, so I, I couldn't buy in grapes. And then all of a sudden, this someone who's been calling me for 10 years, it all just falls into place, you know. So hence called the wine diverging because it was a completely diverging part that I felt I had very little control over. 
it, it was the last testing that Serge Hoshai ever gave. He passed away a few weeks later um, while on holiday with his family. But an amazing, generous soul who has a profound uh, impact on uh, my winemaking journey, just having met him and, and spent a bit of time with him. Vinified the components separately. Initially, I wasn't sure how this blend was going to work out in 2015. I took it to 50-50 of the Cab and the Sinzer and then brought the, the Carignan into the mix. I absolutely loved what this variety brought to the other two. Um, for me, it's, it's like a, a black sour Morello cherry. It's, it's a little bit feral in a, in a good way. I, I think I attribute Muzar's slight um, attractive feralness to the Carignan. It's, it's, it's a, a crazy variety where you, you really have to have your finger on the pulse all the time in terms of uh, mildew. Back to mildew, it's the most susceptible of any variety I've ever worked with in terms of mildew. Also um, VA, so volatility, If I, I've got to check this every three weeks um, in the cellar. Check its VA, check its sulfur levels because it runs away from you very quickly. But the beauty of it, it has fantastic acidity, like almost like a sour acidity, unlike any other red variety I've worked with. It's, it's this beautiful crunchy, like Dave and that, that single barrel that we did together, yes. it just has this insane crunchiness about it that's um, so lovely. Yeah, yeah. It's very generous as a, as a variety. Yeah. Characterful. Very characterful, yeah. Feral, chaos, But I mean, this is, I'd, I'd like to think Divergence, very reined in version compared to Muzar, which can be you know, quite intense and uh, every year it's, it's, it's something quite different. And it, you either love it or hate it. It's one of those polarizing sort of wines, but has some fantastic stories to tell. And, and it stayed the same, roughly a third, a third, a third. It sometimes tends to be a bit more carrying because it has beautiful acidity and I top all the reds in the cellar with this so I don't have to acidify anything because it has, it struggles to go through mallow because it has such high acid. But just an absolute delight to be making this wine. Um, my importers in the US, they are the sole importers of Chateau Mouzard and took me on because they loved the, the story behind it that a small independent was producing something as a homage to, to Serge and, and Mouzard. And I still stay in touch with the family a lot. There's a bit of a story about it on the back label explaining uh, Serge coming to South Africa. And I basically send a few bottles to London every year to the family because they, they want to keep track of the journey and they love the collaboration, which is, which is great fun. Every year, he loses up to like 50% of the crop because if they miss one spray, you lose 50% of your crop. So some years, lots of people get fruit. Some years, sorry, you know, if, if you last in the queue, you don't get. So there are a lot of people lining up for it depending on how the mildew uh, plays out. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's about a hectare, so um, we can get up to five tons, we can get two tons, I've seen seven tons before, yeah, maybe 1.2 at a push, but not much more than that, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's like 20 years old? Yeah, about 20 years old, yeah. Beautiful site, really, really stunning. So Valkegint, so on that, on that ring road, yeah, up against the, yeah, there's the cameras, Alex and Sheila, who are good family friends, who would call for many years, yeah. Did they plant? Yes, they would have planted yeah. it, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so they have spent quite a lot of money in mulching and yeah. you know, just to try buffer that yeah. vineyard because it, we see so many fluctuations in the tonnage. We'll see what happens. Oh, the other two vineyards, sorry, I need to, I just talk about the Carignan. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and they're very important, the other two. The, the Sinzo is um, Rastanoff Farm and that's a 45-year-old uh, bushfine vineyard, very close to where the cab Frank comes from. And I also share that with Christy LaRiche and Bernard Bradell. He's been amazing in sharing knowledge with you know, his family heritage and understanding that area. I think we've been sharing it for about four years now and I've learned a tremendous amount in 
what you can do with something that's that old and in pruning and, and getting your practices correct. That was sort of the start of my whole process of trying to get every farm switched to regenerative like what Bernie's doing. It really is uh, so admirable uh, what he's doing. And then lastly, the Cabernet is from the Porkadry curry bib farm so a lot of the ex-anima producers work with this farm as well beautiful site it's southeast facing which is quite cool for uh, cab sav but i can pick it at 13 percent alcohol at perfect phenolic ripeness it's more red fruit orientated is what i'm looking for so this comes back to another story of, of winemakers being generous and collaborative in trying to find the cab vineyard um in 2014 miles was at takara miles mossop and he said, you're welcome, Josh, just taste through my whole cellar. Uh, every cab uh, vineyard we source from, have a taste and tell me what direction you like. And from that, I managed to find curry bib. So, I mean, how unbelievably generous and kind to just say, I'll connect you and you tell me what style you like. And I think they've got a similar story too, with a lot of cooperative sales have now switched to independent. Uh, yeah. yeah. And they're paying Josh um, properly. Uh, and assistant at Warwick. Um, his father passed away, and so he had to leave that to go uh, work on the family farm. At that point, that was all being taken by Distel, and seven years later, zero percent was being taken by Distel. Yeah, very exciting. Cunningcroft take the vast majority of their Merlot. Um, before the, the changeover, um, it was third rate fruit, according to Distel, that Merlot. And Cunningcroft says the best Merlot we get outside of our own. It borders uh, Rainica, it borders the Bain cellar. Uh, uh, Deturin also, Deturin. yeah, they're all the farms yeah, close by. <laughs> so sitting at about 295 meter altitude, so it's quite a, a high spot um, for that area. I mean, I've got Lucas below me with his uh, Syrah that he shares with Rhiannon. And then above, um, Duncan Savage is doing his uh, Echelas um, Syrah. So a lot more Syrah around there. So for Cab, I mean, we're only getting two to three tons a hectare, but it works in my favor in terms of this lovely pure red fruit and tiny little concentrated berries that I can pick quite early, which is great. Cool guys. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much for listening. Please uh, share it around if you'd like to, and the wines will be available on the website xanimo.coza very, very shortly if you're in South Africa. Cheers. Thanks. Bye.